I think Ireland are going to have to carry three tens. Johnny Sexton, of course you're going to have to carry a third ten. Mm. Crowley and Ross Byrne will go with Johnny. But one injury of those three and Joey's then travelling. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome along. It is time for us to look forward to the United Rugby Championship semi-finals, which are on this weekend. Around 23,000 tickets have been sold for the rivalry being renewed between Leinster and Munster in the All-Irish semi-final, while Connacht are in the road there in Cape Town in South Africa for their match against the Stormers at 3pm Irish time tomorrow. Delighted to say that Keane Tracy is here with me. Keane, how are you getting on? Well, good will. Just walked in from outside. Sun is splitting the stones. Fingers crossed it'll be like that tomorrow for the Aviva. It'd be brilliant if you got a dry track like that, wouldn't it? It has that feeling. It's an end of season rugby where generally you might get a bit of a sunburn going yeah, to the Aviva e- over the next Even like there, there's, you can see people are outside the pubs and the Dublin streets now already. Like there's just a whiff of summer in the air. So yeah, fingers crossed we, we get the weather, especially considering what it was like yesterday, monsoon like. So yeah, it's all set up well. They officially announced today that the Heineken Champions Cup tickets are entirely gone. It's effectively been a sellout for mm. a few weeks, but officially sold out now. As I mentioned, it's at 23,000 sold for tomorrow. Is that a little bit disappointing, maybe? I think it is, yeah. Um, so obviously the capacity for tomorrow is going to be capped at 29,000. And I have to say, even when I saw that, I was a bit you know disappointed I mean maybe it's you know it clearly was wishful thinking in terms of getting a big crowd obviously there's loads of different factors to that the the cost you know involved um, a bit of maybe Aviva fatigue in terms of the Leinster supporters Munster supporters not exactly having great memories up in Dublin but you think of Munster Leinster games the, the great ones over the years and you know packed out houses hottest ticket in town and yeah so when I saw 29,000 I was a bit disappointed and now when you're kind of looking at the 23,000 mark I, I think it is I just think these two teams and you know the rivalry to have deserve a little bit more but with the Champions Cup final next weekend it's not ideal like if you think back to the URC last season the way it fell Leinster played the Bulls in the semi-final the week after they lost in Marseille so I don't know if it's something that will be looked at going forward but like personally I've always kind of felt like that the Champions Cup final should be like almost a Champions League in football that it should be the last game of the season because it is kind of the, the centrepiece so um, we don't have two fully stacked teams obviously you know there's is- there's injury issues for Munster but it's difficult for Leinster when they have the biggest game of their season next weekend so lots of different factors I think playing into it I'm sure the 23,000 or whoever many do turn up on the day will make for a great atmosphere but it's a little bit disappointing when you think about what it has been over the years Munster, this is a great opportunity for them. Mm. It's only a few weeks ago we were talking about how it was going to be difficult to maybe get a result or two results in South Africa that look like would be required to be 100% cast iron into the playoffs. Now they've come through into a semi-final against the Leinster team who understandably have got an eye and a half probably on the Champions Cup final, even if Leo Cullen says it's the next game. You look at the selection that's been picked by Leinster too. They have picked a team uh, with La Rochelle in mind the week afterwards. Does this represent a massive opportunity for Munster to get to a final? Uh, I think it does yeah for sure it does uh, I think just the big disappointment from a Munster point of view is that the Glasgow win was so costly in terms of the injuries now there are a couple of bonuses in that Dermot Barron and Peter O'Mahony are fit which is absolutely huge and I think the biggest shock of all is that Keith Earls is playing um, I certainly wasn't the only one who was here and that he could potentially have played his last game for Munster with that injury picked up the word was that it was pretty bad so it's absolutely brilliant to see him back particularly with Calvin Nash being one of those with HIAs who's going to miss out and Nash has been brilliant this season so um, 
what a player to, to call upon and even it's very timely for Keith Earls in terms of the World Cup picture as well I think lots of people have been too quick to write him off he's a firm favourite of Andy Farrell he's had a really really badly disrupted season in terms of injury but if he gets back puts in a good performance I think the Ireland training squad for the World Cup is going to be named the week after the URC final so it would be timely for him so it is a big opportunity for Munster it absolutely is um, you know Munster will want to play the play it down in terms of being the underdogs and they still are despite the team that Leinster have picked but if you look at the the players that Munster are missing so Calvin Nash like I mentioned Malachi Feketoa um, RG and Conor Murray yeah, yeah, exactly four. yeah and Conor Murray has been outstanding in the last few games and Orgy Snyman just like just so unlucky can't catch a break but he's exactly the kind of guy who you want in your pack going up to Dublin but I suppose that is offset by the fact that Leinster have not picked their their first choice 15 as you said Will and if you look at the team that they've picked you'd probably say two players realistically might start next weekend maybe Ryan Baird as well but I'm thinking Jimmy O'Brien and, and Jack Conan um, you'd imagine will be starting next weekend Leinster don't want to t- take any chances that's totally understandable I think for all that winning the URC would be like massive for them Leinster like if we're being honest judge themselves off the Champions Cup and rightfully so and they've underperformed in the Champions Cup so clearly they have one eye on that but they've still picked a, a strong team and probably a little bit stronger than I was maybe expecting with the likes of Conan and Jimmy O'Brien starting it's interesting that there's no Jordan Larmer in the 23 I don't know does that point to him maybe having um, a big involvement for the La Rochelle game next weekend personally I would have thought Jimmy O'Brien was kind of nailed on obviously James Lowe hasn't been proved his fitness in time perhaps they're looking at him to return next weekend so look Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have done a brilliant job you'd have to say over the years of managing their squad and even still like it's if you were to call it a second choice Leinster 15 it's still unbelievably strong so while it is an opportunity for Munster I still think it's a formidable task Yeah we'll take a look at those selections and we can dig into the detail then so Leinster going with Jimmy O'Brien at full back and the rest of their backs Tommy O'Brien Robbie Henshaw coming back in I would think with the idea of getting minutes into the legs ahead of next week uh, Charlie Natai you got Dave Carney in what could potentially be his last game for Leinster at the Aviva Harry Byrne gets the nod to start at 10 Luke McGraw will captain the team uh, from scrum half and then the pack so you've got a front row of Michael Millen Ronan Kelleher um, very important for him to come back for his first Interpro since January Al Alatoa being the other side Baird and Jenkins are in the second row and then there's a back row of Max Deegan Will Connors and Jack Conan uh, some experienced players on the bench including uh, the World Player of the Year uh, Josh van der Fleer and and Keane Healy. Munster have gone with Mike Haley at fullback. Keith Earls, Anton Frisch, uh, Jack Crowley and Shane Daly are going to be across the uh, back three and the wings there. Ben Healy and Craig Casey are playing as uh, 10 and 9. Uh, so Crowley will be in the centre but also uh, covering 10 as we'll talk about in a moment. And then you've got Jeremy Lockman, Dermot Barron, Stephen Archer, John Klein, Tyg Byrne, Peter Manny pass fit despite that arm injury that he had to captain the team from the back row which also has Hodnett and Gavin Coombs. So we look at the split even on the bench for Munster here and what really stands out to me on this one Keen, is that there's no Joey Carberry at all in the match day 23 at a time when Crowley and the soon to depart Healy will both be starting in the game yeah, it's a look. I don't know. Do I want to use the word big surprise? It's not a big surprise because Joey Carberry hasn't been selected in the last few games, but like someone like Malachi Fekatoa has been there. So you would have imagined with him out that it would have created a space for Joey Carberry to be on the bench, but they've gone with Rory Scannell, who can play 10, but he's been far more uh, of a 12 for the last years. I think he played 10 in his underage days. So yeah, look, this is just a continuation, I think, of a really tough 
disappointing few months for Joey Carberry he's clearly fallen down the pecking order he's now third choice 10 can't even get into the match day squad um, it's like on a human level I think it's really disappointing and sad to, to see it happen um, I, I, I don't like I find it interesting because I don't necessarily think Joey Carberry has been terrible by any means to not justify being in the 23 for for a game like this now clearly we're not privy to how he's training behind the scenes and um, I think he got married um, early earlier this week in terms of his you know having the reception which of course he's entitled to but um, week of a URC semi-final yeah, and knowing you're coming off the back of a quarterfinal it's interesting timing for sure maybe he has an injury that we're not aware of but I was down in Limerick on Tuesday at the press conference and there was no mention of an injury there was no mention of an injury in the the bulletin that Munster would send out so look yeah it's curious um, it's like where does Joey Carberry go from here uh, personally even when I when he lost his place in the team I was still thinking that he's going to be in the World Cup frame but um, certainly in, in a training squad but right now you'd have to say um, when Eddie Farrell picks that squad after the URC final that Joey Carberry probably isn't going to be in it Um we can get on and we can talk about Harry Byrne but you look at someone a guy like that now is getting a start in a in a URC final he played in the URC quarter final has he now overtaken Joey Carberry in, in the pecking order so um, it's really difficult like next season he's going to have you know a chance the slate will be wiped clean to a certain extent because Ben Healy is leaving and that's also an interesting dynamic to this as well look Graham Rountree and Mike Prendergast who obviously you know is the attack coach are certainly right to pick the best team for now but when a guy is leaving at the end of the season and you still can't get in ahead of him um, that's a real kick in the teeth I think and it's going to be really difficult for Joey Carberry I think mentally as much as anything to, to bounce back from that maybe a summer off you know just to refresh wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because look clearly Joey Carberry is still unbelievably talented lots of people would still say the fullback is his best position does he end up looking down that route I'm not so sure because Ben Healy like I said is going to be gone next season and Munster need cover at 10 because they seem like they're putting all their eggs in the Jack Crowley basket now even though he is playing 12 like you said so um, surprised not to see him in there I think um, but it's really disappointing I think for from Joey Carberry's perspective for sure Yeah because once it was very clear that no, Healy was signed he was going to Scotland he went away with their Six Nations camp then there was obviously the bad news that Joey Carberry got that he wasn't going to be involved with Ireland for the best part now he still got back into the training squad during the Six Nations but to me it seemed very clear that Healy was going in one direction and if you're Munster and you're going to back Joey Carberry into next season you would have had Carberry finish the season out Mm. particularly if they are interested in keeping Crowley at 12 and having a look at him as a centre ahead of uh, next season they played him like in midfield quite a bit of the year Mm. you would think that you'd back Carberry then if the intention was to play him next season Yeah lots of like lots of teams I think in a similar scenario would tend to kind of not freeze the, the kind of departing player out but they would certainly put in more of their focus on guys who are going to be there next season and that's understandable but look Ben Healy's been playing really well for Munster off the bench like he, he actually deserves his start at 10 he's arguably been better than Jack Crowley in the last few weeks so um, it's just such an interesting kind of dynamic because if, if Ben Healy plays well tomorrow and will say masterminds you know a Munster win over Leinster then all of a sudden, you know, Munster are kind of going, whoa, like, you know, did we make the, the right decision here? And I f- have such admiration for Ben Healy in making the decision that he did. Um, he clearly wasn't in the Irish shakeup, And despite the fact that he was for Munster, you know, my understanding is that he chatted with Andy Farrell. He was upfront and honest with him, which again, you'd have to admire Andy Farrell for that rather than keeping a guy here if he's got no intention of playing him. He's gone away. He's already been capped by Scotland. If the Scottish squad was being, World Cup squad was being picked in the morning, Ben Healy's nailed on to be in it so you've got to back and admire a guy for being 
ambitious to especially when Gregor Townsend has now signed a contract irrespective of yeah. what happens later this year and like he's been I wouldn't say a cheerleader but he's clearly been a very big fan of him he spoke about how he can be a very important player for Edinburgh next season too so like he obviously is a admirer and you would think if he's put that much stock into him and convinced him to uh, declare to play for Scotland, he's probably nailed on to go to the World Cup. Yeah, it was a bit of love. He showed a bit of love, like didn't he? And sometimes that's what that's what players want. And like I said, Ben Healy is a young guy. He has international ambitions. If he felt like he was going to be in Munster and not going to look in with Ireland, he was dead right to, to go away and follow his his dream of playing international rugby. And now that's with Scotland. So, But at the time when he made that decision, he was firmly third choice in, in the pecking order at Munster. So you'd kind of wonder what's going on in, in his head as well again like I'm sure he's perfectly happy with his decision and like I said fair play to him but the dynamic has shifted a lot in the last couple of months and I don't think Ben Healy or most people would have seen kind of the fall from grace that Joey Carberry has has had Yeah when we look at the Leinster team I mean the headline news is the fact that Robbie Henshaw is now going to go back in get some game time ahead of the European final and for Ronan Keller to be working himself back into fitness too I mean that's the big boost for them is they're going to get minutes into the legs of both those players Absolutely huge. Um, yeah, I think Robbie Henshaw had a minor injury, but at the same time, it cost him two games out um, in terms of yeah the last two games. So, um, you know, he's had such an injury hit season and I was actually chatting to him uh, during the week for a piece in tomorrow's paper and we were just kind of charting kind of how unlucky he's been at different times of his career. Now, he's got savage miles in the clock when you think of how young he broke through with Connacht. Like he was capped by Ireland at 19. He's been such an unbelievable player over the years, but his body has taken some punishment over the years it's actually cost him a lot of big games along the way as well but like what a player to be able to bring back in and for sure I think if Robbie Henshaw had played that Toulouse game even we probably wouldn't have seen him start today or start tomorrow but it's really important like you said Will to get some minutes into his legs playing 13 which is interesting because you'd imagine he's going to be playing 12 against La Rochelle with Gary Ringrose uh, playing 13 but Charlie Natoy in the last few games we've seen the Number one, we've seen how good Leinster's recruitment is. Uh, like they, they were chasing Natoy for quite a while. Um, arrived as a Challenge Cup winner from Leon. Um, not the flashiest player in the world, but my God, he's been impressive and been so important to Leinster, particularly with Henshaw out. Um, so to, bringing him back in, playing at thirteen, he'll have a bit more space. And I'd imagine Munster will probably look at Jack Crowley playing twelve. I mean, he's done well at twelve all season, but he's definitely more natural at ten. And I'd imagine he's going to have Natoy and Henshaw running down his his twelve channel a lot in terms terms of Ronan Kelleher it's kind of similar to Henshaw really isn't it in terms of like his career has been a little bit stop start and Dan Sheehan has gone to you know such heights that I'm not going to say Ronan Kelleher has become the forgotten man but He's a battle on to get his place. Yeah, I think there is, there is a bit of distance, I would say, now between the two of them. But when they're both fit and firing, what a duo to, to call upon, particularly from an Irish point of view, you'd imagine going into the World Cup. So um, massive to have him back as well. And like he's going to want to remind, I think, Leo Cullen and Andy Farrell as well, like, you know, that he hasn't gone away and that, you know, all this talk about Dan Sheehan, which is fully justified, by the way. Dan Sheehan is one of the best hookers in the world at the moment. But um, such luxury, isn't it, to have to be able to call on like a player like that. And interestingly enough, Dan Sheehan isn't on the bench. Um, they've gone with John McKee in the bench so you, like he's been firmly wrapped in cotton wool for that Larishell game which is no surprise McKee's come off the bench I think Ulster definitely the Leicester he's yeah, come off the bench the last three he's come off games. the bench but it's like when Dan Sheehan has tended to play I did a piece in this earlier in the season he plays serious minutes um, it tends to play nearly the full 80 not the full 80 but he plays a lot more than your average hooker would play so um, you'd imagine Keller would probably play 50-60 minutes John McKee to come off the bench depending on how the game is going but if Keller comes through it on skate you'd imagine he'll be on the bench and against that Lara Shell pack it'll be very important to have someone like that to call upon I think 
Charlie not I was talking to Brian Driscoll about him last week and he said probably the most impressive thing about the way that he played against Toulouse in the semi-final is that he's almost coming in off the cold because Leinster generally will play the Ringrose Henshaw partnership mm-hmm. where available and Kieran Frawley had covered a bit when Nadai was injured earlier in the year and he kind of was half expecting Frawley to be brought mm-hmm. in but said that he was tremendously impressed by both sides of the ball very good tackling physicality within that game and he showed he's got that bit of invention about him too I think of that really really clever 50-22 kick mm-hmm. that he took at one point in the first half which just relieved pressure at a time that Toulouse were playing well he slotted in very nicely at a key part of the season for them yeah, and I think he's a goal kicker as well. We haven't seen it yet, but I'm pretty sure he's been goal kicked throughout his um, throughout his career. So, yeah, look, it's he's been so so important. Like I said, not the flashiest player. I think he's got is it one cap for the for the All Blacks, but Leinster have been tracking him for quite a few years. So, uh, th- going back to when he was at the Chiefs. Yeah, 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 then, yeah. yeah. Leo Cullen, I think, spent time at the Chiefs. I think um, in his younger days as a coach, I'm pretty sure. So there's a bit of a connection there. Obviously, James Lowe came from the Chiefs as well. So, uh, Leinster are very clever in that regard. I mean, they've got a strong relationship with the Crusaders as well obviously Andrew Goodman has come in but during lockdown in particular they were sharing lots of ideas so imagine Crusaders and Leinster are pretty much the two strongest clubs in the world so like what an alliance to have so that's very very interesting the way Leinster go about that but I think the ability of Charlie Natai to come back and hit the ground running. There's a few players in, in Irish rugby that do it. Henshaw actually is one of them. Johnny Sexton is another one. They're, they're guys you, you're not really overly concerned that they don't have a lot of game time. They just manage to come back, slot back in seamlessly and hit the ground running. Um, but I think that's a testament to what the work that goes on behind the scenes with Leinster. This is something that Henshaw was talking to me about in terms of the, the chat that I had with him you know the physios the strength and conditioning coaches the the guys who don't really get the a lot of the credit but like you think of how attritional rugby is these these days they play such a massive part in that and it also points to how high the standard I think is in Leinster training I mean we've all heard of Stuart Lancaster's Tuesday sessions where they run the legs often but that all counts when players are coming back from injury and it just works so well so Natai's the latest to do it and it means that they don't have to play Gary Ringrose in, in a game like this they can relieve him with his feet up ahead of next week as well Harry Byrne starting this time round uh, this time last year uh, going to Marseille I was on the flight the team were in front of us and Harry Byrne was sitting there as a non-playing substitute so he was going along in that capacity obviously look there's been a lot of hype about Harry since he was an under 20 international um, he's come off the bench a few times in recent weeks Johnny Sexton's injury has given opportunity to his brother Ross primarily mm-hmm. but also to Harry who's got more game time in the last few weeks of the season we're now getting to see Harry Byrne in important cup rugby yeah, I can't believe you're on the Leinster private jet. Well, over I to the. I didn't quite call it the private jet, <laughs> yeah. but uh, um, it was the flight that I booked, and we ended up with um, as about fifteen or sixteen of the yeah, Leinster yeah. players. They basically brought their entire squad. Everyone Which who is played right. in the Champions Cup. Which is right. They yeah, all yeah. They, like. I mean, they all play a part in it. But yeah, like Harry Byrne, you'd have to say probably was has become the the forgotten man, but. It just shows how quickly the door can reopen. And this, this applies, I think, to an Irish context as well. Look, he is, he has a bit of work to do, but we've just spoken about Joey Carberry, how much he's out of the equation. Harry Byrne is now backing up a semi-final URC start, um, having started the quarter-final as well. So if you think back to Leinster in previous years, they've actually started Ross Byrne in lots of URC or Pro 14, Pro 16, whatever, finals, and not, you know, not at Johnny Sexton because Ross Byrne has been the one to play. So I wonder if, you know, if... It, everything goes to plan from a Leinster point of view would Harry Byrne even get to start in the final which would be very very interesting so I think he's been quite quietly good um, 
over the last few games that he's played I don't think it's been anything sensational but it's just good to see him playing and seeing his body hold up because that's been the big thing for Harry Byrne um, his body just hasn't been able to withstand the rigours of you know top level professional rugby I think back to New Zealand uh, last summer this is something I was writing about during the week and I'd arrived at North Harbour uh, which is uh, was Ireland's base just in the outskirts of Auckland and rocked up for one of the first training sessions when we arrived and you could kind of see Ian Henderson standing at the sideline in a knee brace you were going okay his tour is clearly going to be over before it even started but Harry Byrne was standing next to him as well and as it had turned out he had torn his hamstring in training and he was soon followed home on the plane and that tour was being kind of built as a chance I know um, my understanding is he was penciled in to start that first Maori game at out half obviously then Kieran Frawley came in and at the time it kind of felt like a bit of a sliding doors moment for both players careers because you kind of thought wow Kieran Frawley could really kick on here as a 10 but Leinster don't see him as a 10 even though Andy Farrell does so that's an interesting dynamic as well but the thing about Harry Byrne is um, Andy Farrell has picked him like fairly consistently when he's been fit um, obviously Jack Crowley has come onto the scene and done really well for Ireland and he's definitely ahead of him in the pecking order as well so uh, Johnny Sexton's injury like I said shows how quickly the door can reopen and what an opportunity for him to start in a massive game against Munster at the Aviva Stadium and I think having someone like Luke McGrath will be massively important uh, he's going to captain Leinster he's he's a guy you know I couldn't put him in the category like uh, Reese Ruddock and a Dave Carney. Uh, guys who kind of keep the show on the road um, kind of the less heralded guys and he's going to be massively important as well because obviously James and Gibson Park isn't involved so huge opportunity for uh, Harry Byrne to impress because the windows to impress Andy Farrell are narrowing now but this is you know one of the last that he's going to get Yeah Dave Kearney you mentioned very emotional in the announcement that he made this week where mm-hmm. it seems he's going to Chicago and uh, mm-hmm. Nick McCarthy's also uh, about to declare yeah. for the USA in a, another American rugby story but it looks like Dave Kearney is on his way to Chicago this could well be his last game at the Aviva Stadium for Leinster we don't know maybe they get to the final he mm-hmm. could well be involved in the uh, game there not to write him off too early but as you say a very long serving player and a guy who you require I think at different points in the season to add that experience in. Reese Ruddock's a fantastic mm-hmm. example of yeah. it too where they've been so, so important. International experience, top level players, but there maybe when some of the others are being rested for international duty. Yeah, and I think they'll miss him for, from that regard. Again, he might not be the most glamorous winger and he might have been, you know, a bit underappreciated, I would say, by people outside of Leinster. I think people, even Leinster supporters themselves would, would speak very, very highly of, of Dave Carney. You know, it's obviously difficult he's in the shadow of some extent to his older brother Rob who Joe, Biden, Joe Biden didn't give him a shout out <laughs> yeah, that's, the that's why he's going to America sure Joe Biden's pulling strings behind the scenes <laughs> to get to get Dave Kearney over but he's been brilliant and I think look the, the Leinster conveyor belt is, is chugging on and they have so many back three players who are coming through even you think to the Irish under 20s you know who won the Grand Slam this year so there's no fear about the next crop coming through but the likes of Dave Kearney and Reese Ruddock, like you touched on, Will, are so important to kind of, you know, making that transition easier for the younger guys coming through. So uh, he'll be missed. He'll be hoping it's not his last game. And, uh, you know, again, I kind of touched on the fact that Leo Cullen has been pretty loyal to guys who've done well in the URC Pro 14 over the years. I wouldn't be surprised if Leinster beat Munster tomorrow and they get to a final if Dave Kearney gets a start. Some of this well. core group might play again. Yeah, I think Le- that's one of the things that Leo Cullen does really, really well. Like I said, Ross Byrne is a good example of that. I can think back to... 
a couple of final semi-finals uh, that Ross Byrne played when Johnny Sexton was fit and I can't imagine you know I wouldn't want to be, like to be the one telling Johnny Sexton he's not playing in a game as big as that but Leo Cullen handles it very well so I wouldn't be surprised if he does back uh, a lot of these guys and look Dave Carney showed his value again last week in that Sharks game his kick through for uh, James and Gibson Parks try was sensational I mean if James Lowe or someone does that it's probably getting more credit than, than you know he, he did it uh, for it last week so he's been really really important and like I said he'll be missed and it, like it sounds like he is off to, to America and like great way for him to finish out his career similar enough to Rob when he went to Western Force uh, Super Rugby so good luck to him Yeah uh, Rugby here and off the ball is a thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish Rugby team we all belong to the team of us Now Connacht have given themselves their trip to South Africa on the back of a huge win in Belfast last week Andy Friend uh, naming the team earlier today no great surprise Keen, that the same 23 uh, will be trusted to play this game against the Stormers on the face of it's difficult Stormers away from home third in the URC this season have been consistent over the last two years um, but Connacht have given themselves an opportunity with that really good performance last Friday night yeah, absolutely. You say no surprise in, in unchanged 23, but it probably is a surprise because it's so rare in rugby nowadays that you see an unchanged team. I think I saw earlier on Twitter and going to credit them, I think it was the Craggy Island podcast, the, the local podcast in Galway said the last time uh, Lent, or sorry, the last time Connacht had an unchanged 23 in the URC was for the final in 2016. Wow. So um, or not, I'm not sure, that's but, a gem yeah. of a stat that I can't take any credit for, but um that's a nice little omen to have, isn't it? And mm. um, we all know what happened in 2016 when Connacht beat Leinster and won the the Pro 12. So yeah, look, it's it's remarkable that they were able to name an unchanged uh, 23 because I was up in Belfast last week for the the win over Ulster and my God, you know, we talk about the attrition of the the Munster-Glasgow game. Munster have, you know, the, the depleted bodies to show for that. But um, we were talking to Jack Carty after the match and he said there's a lot of lads down in the dressing room battered and bruised. It was such a physical game. So um, one of those one of those occasions where you imagine people are just, you know, sucking it up and getting on with it because this is such a massive game. We were chatting to Andy Friend earlier on today, actually, from their base in South Africa and they seem like they're in great spirits. I think Andy Friend is strikes me as a guy you'd want in your corner for weeks like this. Like nothing really phases him. They've obviously had the long haul flight. They left on Tuesday. They arrived on Wednesday. I think they trained on Thursday and they've just tried to make it as normal as they can, even though they had to travel 18 hours to, to go to Cape Town. So look, it's going to be a very difficult task, but I think Connacht are quietly, I'd say quietly optimistic that um, that they can cause an upset. They're going to, it's going to require look something really, really special to beat, you know, the Stormers who, you know, let's not forget, are the URC champions. They'd love nothing more than to defend their title. They've been pretty good this season they're tough to beat at home generally but Connacht I think will take a lot from the the win that they got in Ulster last weekend no one gave them a chance then no one's really given them a chance uh, tomorrow either so And sometimes a team comes into the playoffs in good form and mm. that's the case with Connacht they finished the season out really well in the last month of it so um, that would be the argument I was reading through Andy Friend's quotes earlier on today and he was talking about this kind of internal belief that was there that last week and it's not kind of stick up in the dressing room style stuff he's saying look last week we were considered underdogs but we had a belief within our team that we're now playing to a system that's playing good rugby and effective rugby and we're going to go out and do the exact same thing against the defending champions tomorrow so you look through that team as well lots of experience you mentioned Jack 
McCarthy, the fact that you know, Farrell, I think, is in for his 99th cap mm-hmm. um, this weekend, too. Um, Tierno Halloran playing a fullback. Like, these are guys who've been around and about this Connick squad for quite a while. Quite a few of them still there from the mm-hmm. uh, URC, or what should we call it? The Pro, Pro 12, 14. Was it Pro 12, 12 at the yeah, time? I think, yeah. uh, back in hard, 2016. It is hard to keep up. We've been through quite a few name yeah, changes yeah, in the yeah. last seven years, haven't we? <laughs> uh, but when you look through that squad, like, there's lots of experience. Even um, Dennis Buckley, Dave Herfinan being able to uh, play within the front row for this weekend. Um, that is probably as strong as Connacht have finished out the season in quite some time. Yeah, and three guys you did mention, they have Bundy Aki, Mac yeah. Hansen and Finley Bealham who were part of a Grand Slam winning team and I don't think you can underestimate the importance of that, of Connacht having three guys like that. Mac Hansen played every minute of Ireland's uh, Grand Slam campaign so having that kind of winning attitude, because for, for ages it was Bundy Aki was pretty much the only one coming back to camp and you know he probably got a little bit frustrated at different times because you know he expects such high standards when he comes back from international camp but now you have the likes of Bealham and Mac Hansen, who, by the way, have both been brilliant this season. Finley Bealham was so unlucky that he picked up that injury at Rome. He was having a brilliant Six Nations when Tyg Furlong was out injured, but he's been sensational for Connacht this year. He's really, really transformed player and the coaches deserve huge credit for that. So um, they've got a, a winning mentality now within their squad and it feels like the culmination of, you know, the five wor- five years of hard work that Andy Friend and the coaches like Mossy Lawler, who was obviously going to Munster at the end of the season, Dewald Senecal, who's done such a brilliant job with um, Connacht's set piece, particularly their line out. He's leaving to go to Oyanax at the end of the season. Collie Tucker is staying on. He's done a really good job with the scrum. So it's disappointing in one sense that, you know, this this is going to be the end of the journey, not necessarily tomorrow, but in the next couple of few weeks that certainly the, the band is going to break up to some extent. Now you have Pete Wilkins, who I should have mentioned as well, is going to be staying on, obviously, as head coach and you will have him to, you know, smooth the transition somewhat. But And they got the recruitment work done pretty early when it comes to big signings and then getting Muldoon in, getting Fardy in. A lot seems to be in place for Connacht already ahead of next year. Yeah, and there's Sandy Cordera is coming in, one of the most exciting wingers in, in the world. And you kind of, you always go back to Andy Friend's comment that he made a couple of years ago that they have to shop in Aldi when everyone else shops in uh, Brown Thomas. I or have. you bring in an incredible player and you sell Galway Absolutely. to Absolutely. I see. I saw it the other day, actually, um, on social media that Connacht were trying to sell uh, season tickets and they were flagging. No, just don't forget that this guy is on his way next get season. Get your Argentine shirts ready. Yeah, yeah, but like he's the type of guy who will get you know people off their seats and he will get you down to the sports ground. And now that they have the 4G playing surface, that it will play to his strengths. So uh, there's lots of good things happening in Connacht at the moment. Um, you think to the new training centre that they're building, which will be ready in the not too distant future as well. So things are changing in Connacht. And Andy Friend has just been such a brilliant, I think, figurehead over the last couple of years. Um, you think back to the kind of disaster spell really they had under Kieran Keane and he's really steadied the ship since then hugely hugely popular you know like every no player is going to say they don't like their head coach but anytime you hear the Connacht players speak about Andy Friend you can really sense the warmth uh, that he and the regard that they hold him in so he will be a loss but he was talking about it earlier on in the press conference that we, we were chatting to him with that you know He's doing his best to take the emotion out of this. You know, I'm sure deep down there is, you know, there's something stirring in him, but he doesn't want to see tomorrow as kind of the last step in the journey. He wants to see the last step in the journey being the 27th of May, wherever that the final may be. So, look, Connacht are in bonus territory. I don't think that's being disrespectful to them, particularly after the tough start they had to the season. You remember their pitch wasn't ready at the start, so they were on the road. It was so difficult. A lot of hard teams away from the start this season. If you had told Connacht today and our Connacht supporters that they'll be in a semi-final going to to Cape Town tomorrow they would have snapped your hand off for it but now that they're there 
they want to make the most of it. You know, it's it's a free shot, but Connacht are there on merit. You know what I mean? They beat Ulster, who finished second in the table. So uh, it's a massive opportunity for them. It's like I said, it's going to be really difficult, but I wouldn't be writing them off. Yeah, and look, so much is made as well about the amount of former Leinster players that went across the Connacht over the last two seasons. But you see someone like Niall Murray, mm. local lad from Roscommon. Uh, he's got himself into the URC Elite Team of the Year whoever they're branding it this year I think it's called the Elite Team of the mm-hmm. Season or something like that um, but to be able to bring those guys through to see someone like Seamus Hurley Langton put in mm-hmm. Player of the Game performance last week as well um, Connacht have managed their talent very well they have and it is brilliant to see like the, the homegrown players because that is an important part of the Codnick fabric no different to Leinster, Munster and Ulster it's really important to have homegrown players and someone like Noel Murray I, I still have to stop and check myself it just doesn't seem right but seemingly the people in Roscommon and him himself he wants to be called Murray so I have to we have to go with that but um, like it's unbelievable to have a player like that from, from Roscommon you know not exactly a rugby stronghold I know Dennis Buckley is from there as well and Noel Murray's younger brother Dara has been playing for Connacht as well this season so it's so important that I think Irish rugby as a whole taps into these areas and it's not just Galway it's not just Limerick Cork Dublin that you, you know you spread the net far and wide because you don't know the kind of athletes that are out there I remember and, that was very much Pat Lamb's philosophy yeah. when he went to Connacht originally because I remember he brought training sessions around the province at the time and it kind of there is that risk of it feeling slightly token that it's let's go around to rugby clubs maybe where things aren't strong but he genuinely was like if we get a few fans to come from these areas and we pick a player up that gives Connacht an opportunity which mm-hmm. they haven't had before. It, it, this is like, it's such an interesting topic and it's probably like one that you could get into in another day for a podcast for itself. But like you think of even Leinster and the areas of, of, of Dublin even that, that they could tap into. You look, the I think the, the football team does it particularly well. So there's so many areas in the country that are untapped. And like I said, you can imagine guys now, you know, from and girls, of course, you know, from Roscommon, they're seeing this guy playing in a URC f- semi-final. Like it has to be inspiring. Like it, 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 it can be a bit of a clean that you're inspiring the next generation but you really are and it was interesting Noel Murray was speaking during the week and I think he was he was asked about you know the 2016 final that we were referencing he didn't even remember watching it because he wasn't into rugby at the time so he's very much a late a late developer and that's another sort of lesson in this story as well that there is room there is scope for late developers so Connacht have to do that because they just don't have the, the playing pool and that's a testament, I think, to the talent ID scouts that they have, because certainly Noel Murray was not mapped. I know he went on, he played for the Irish under-20s, but before that, like he wouldn't have been a guy like, we'll say, James Ryan or Gary Ringrose, who were flagged coming through as you know future superstars. He was still doing the club system in Buccaneers yeah, exactly, as opposed yeah. to the so system. It's absolutely brilliant. I think it's vital for Connacht. It's a great part of the story as well. Yeah, um, the team that they're facing, I mean, obviously look, the Stormers have got... A tremendous amount of strength. You look at the amount of Springboks who are across that team going into tomorrow as well. It, like, there's a huge ask. Um, I'm playing up how well Connacht have played at the end of the season, but you look at that Stormers team on home soil, on the back of a win in front of a big crowd last week too. There's a big task to try and get through. It is. They're missing two key players in Dean Free and Marvin Ori. So Dean Free is one of their you know best fetchers in terms of jacklers at the breakdown. So he's a big, big loss. Vastly experienced as well. So I think that'll be an area. It's going to be such a key area anyway for Connacht. They were unbelievable at the breakdown last weekend in Belfast. They really blew Ulster away. They adapted better to Andy Brace's interpretation of the ruck. And that's going to be important tomorrow. Mike Adamson is the ref. Um who, let's put it bluntly, likes to let things flow. So I think it's going to be very important that Connacht adapt to to his interpretation. And then you have Marvin Ori, who's basically the Stormers' line-out leader. And we've just spent the last couple of minutes, you know, kind of praising Niall Murray. And we haven't mentioned the fact that, like, he's 
taken over the line out responsibility for Ulster and he's been the, the he's the top line out stealer in the competition so he is vitally important and without Marvin Ori there I think that's a, an area that Connacht will feel you know more confident in as well but look I think the front row is where the, the, the big big test is going to come you mentioned the the spring box that uh, the Stormers have with Kitchoff and Malherb, who is one of the best tight heads in the world, Joseph Dweba at hooker. So um, it's a big, big ask for this Connacht front row. But like I said, uh, Finley Beelham has been outstanding this season. Dennis Buckley was very good. He won a couple of penalties in Ravenhill last week. And then Dave Heffernan is vastly experienced as well. So I think if Connacht can get parity up front, particularly at the scrum, they're in with a good chance. The other thing that's worth mentioning, Will, is apparently the pitch is in shocking condition. And that's been that's been a feature of the South African home pitches throughout the, the season. It's something that they really need to get their house in order. And um, I don't know if you remember Munster playing in Durban a few weeks ago against the Sharks. The pitch was shocking. It was like yeah. a cabbage patch. And players are going to get injured on this uh, if something isn't done about it. So it's something Andy Friend was referring to on the call earlier that they're going to have to be mindful of that. Of course, it's the same for both teams, but it really shouldn't be as bad as what it is. So uh, the Stormers have been selling tickets for something like two euro to try and get the, the crowd in. It worked really well for them the last time. So look, I wouldn't imagine there'd be a huge pile of Connacht fans. I've seen a couple of, um, you know, Hardy Bucks who were gone over. You're from a committed Connacht. fan now if yeah. you put your hand in your pocket and go to... Fair Cape play. Town. Like anyone who's making that trip, fair play. Because what a trip it would be like in terms of as a, a, away from the rugby as well but it all feeds into the, the mentality that the Connacht will feed off that no one has given them a chance so um, I think they'll relish that Yeah I mean last year we saw Ulster wilt a little bit in their semi-final so Connacht are going to have to kind of play both the occasion play the conditions play everything really I mean even a few weeks ago we saw Munster in the heat in mm. South Africa really struggled as well the good thing is, though, it's not at altitude. Um, it could be, it could be a lot worse. So, um, in terms of going to South Africa, yeah, if you were going playing on the high veld, you know, at the Bulls of Pretoria or something, then that's a different kettle of fish. So, uh, like I said, Connacht arrived on Wednesday. They're trying to keep the week as normal as possible. They would have had Wednesday off anyway. They train on Tuesday. They train in South Africa on Thursday. Captains are on today. So, um, I think it all comes from the positivity that Andy Friend kind of exudes in these circumstances. It would be easy to, you know, be complaining about having. And, you know, a short, short turnaround, have to go and make the, was it an 18 hour flight? But Connacht are relishing it and that makes them dangerous. That makes them dangerous. I wonder on the reverse side how things are going to work out for the South African team. So very much the feeling from the URC uh, boards this week was that these clubs will all be fine for next year. We've got our teams locked in and we're 100% confident the league is going to be fine. It's just very difficult for the South African teams when you see the challenge that they've had going through the Middle East to go to Europe, long trips which many of them have highlighted and then when you mix in the amount of travelling that's been there for the Champions Cup on top of that as well. This is quite a slog for those teams in South Africa right now. Yeah, like before I kind of get into that I think we should point out that the South African teams have been brilliant for the URC on a, on a purely rugby basis. Like on the, a sporting basis they've added to the competition It's been usually. brilliant and it's so I think it's the URC has gotten a lot more respect now since they've joined um, so that's been brilliant but like I personally struggle to see how this is sustainable in, in the long term I think it's brilliant for now it's all going well but even from you know a climate point of view from a player welfare point of view I mean I don't know if you saw the pictures that the Lions players put up on Twitter a few weeks ago when they were coming back from Europe you had giant props squeezed into economy class in um 
on planes and you know it could be easy for people listening to snigger at that but when guys the are financial reality if you're going a long way around to get back home and you're stuck into cattle flask coming mm-hmm. back and you're recovering potentially from a knock or you're getting ready to go back to training all these little things make a difference yeah and like player welfare is now more important than ever so I think I heard Connacht had five business class seats and they were going to the five biggest players so uh, you can imagine there was a bit of a battle to, to relax well, your proper your second row deserves yeah, yeah. the seat but you know what I mean but that is like we, we, we laugh about it but that's the reality of the situation and unless you're like the Sharks had to do some amount of travelling uh, in the last few weeks towards the end of the season and unless you're in that situation uh, I don't think you realise how difficult it is um, so look it's been brilliant from a rugby perspective but I would have my concerns in the long term where this is all going to be honest they might have to have a look at just how things work for the European Cup particularly I know we've mm-hmm. had changes around the seedings and qualification and everything uh, coming out this week but I kind of wonder if we get to a point where for the South African teams particularly they had to travel to Europe for the knockout stage games it's one of those kind of messy ones where you don't know if you're going to win the round of 16 or quarter final so it's do you camp in Europe for a couple of weeks do you mm-hmm. go back to play your URC games when there's teams coming for a two week break do you split your squad uh, like I'm not sure what the solution really is yeah I think the, the reason that the South African teams didn't have home advantage was some a pre-arranged agreement but that's not obviously sustainable going forward if you earn home advantage then you should have home advantage and home advantage in South Africa is like home advantage anywhere is really important but more important you'd have to say than ever going to South Africa and the other kind of thing is you know the like rugby is not in a good place financially and you kind of touched on it there Will the finances involved in you know flying teams you know halfway around the world is like my understanding is is because of a sponsorship arrangement that's why they're going through the Middle East so yeah. it's like the only way of making this tr- these trips to Europe sustainable is that way because they couldn't afford to send yeah, them to London or and I was talking to Noel McNamara a few weeks ago who is obviously the attack coach with the Sharks um, from Clare any, any listeners are not aware of him you know came through the Leinster system uh, really highly regarded young coach Irish coach but he was telling me you know uh, a couple of weeks ago they were coming back and they missed their connection flight and then all of a sudden you're weak it's not just you know coming home your week is disrupted so these are all the things that we don't get to see about we don't get to hear about because we're totally focused on the Irish side of things but the South Africans have had a tough tough time of it at different times and this is what they this is what signed they signed up for, up for yeah. and you can't really have too much sympathy for it but in terms of you know going forward it is messy it, it really is I think yeah time zone works out the distance yeah. doesn't really work out and that's it like the the viewers I think in terms of the TV and all that have been really good because they're not playing in super rugby so the the like you said, the kickoff times are far more friendly. What is it, an hour time difference? So that works. But um, there's been plenty of games as well that we've seen on TV where there's been poor enough attendances as well. So I touched on it there. The Stormers are selling tickets, basically giving tickets away. You know, I know the Rand isn't great in South Africa. It's hard as well, you know, when those rivalries aren't in place already. Yeah. So like maybe Leinster are interesting because you've watched them in European finals and so on. But mm-hmm. when you're bringing teams that that rivalry isn't there in the same way that they were with the teams in Australia and New Zealand, that'll take time to form. Of course it will. And hopefully it gets the time to, to do it, you know, because like we said, we touched in the earlier conversation, the URC, the Pro 14, it's been through so many different guises that this is probably, you'd, you'd really like the Welsh teams to get their house in order in terms of making it more competitive but it's been a really really good league you'd have to say for the last couple of years and looking forward to the last two weeks of it now yeah, no, it should be really good a um, couple of busy weeks coming up between the URC semi-finals and the Heineken Champions Cup which will be live here and off the ball uh, between Leinster and La Rochelle next week rugby here and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Keen, thanks a million thanks a million Rugby on Off The Ball With Vodafone Main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us